Tonight on Huckabee, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, author Sam Collier, comedian William Lee Martin, and music from Riley Green. That's Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Thank you very much. We have a great studio audience here tonight in our theater. And it is a new year. Hallelujah and good night 2020. Huh? I'll tell you, now is the time that everyone is resolving to turn over a new leaf and do everything better than they've ever done before. I mean, I'm even guessing Keith has a New Year's resolution Absolutely. out there. Have you got anything? Always trying to improve myself. As a matter of fact, I am. I actually have a list right here. Do you? Yeah. You brought it with you. I want to stay on track. You want to hear it? Well, if it's, hope it's not as long as that piece of paper well, you got, but go ahead. It's big notes. All I, right. I have a hard time reading. First, I resolved to spend less money on buying useless stuff like this new DVD rewinder I ordered for Christmas. Oh, yeah. You, you got one of, some people will get that. They, I don't think they did. <laughs> <laughs> and, and next, I'm going to dedicate myself to research. Now, that's impressive. Yes, research. Like medical research? Well, not exactly. I'm planning to gather a lot of data by trying dessert so I can find a brand new favorite. Oh. You think? I don't think that's the kind of research most people think about. I, I don't want to get stuck in, in my ways. As oh, I get okay. Older. So I want a brand new dessert. Oh, good for you. And, and I've, I've got a, a New Year's resolution. Something maybe that goes in one year and out the... Did you get that? One year and out the... Yeah, end. we got that, Keith. But I know I yeah. can at least keep wow. this one. Oh, I, I can't wait to hear this one. Well, what is Listen it? to this. You, you can help me with this. Okay. I plan to buy all the leftover 2020 calendars I There'll can be find. be a bunch. Light a big bonfire with them. What now do you think? that <laughs> okay. is a great huh? idea. Like Burn them. Yeah. That's a resolution I can get behind. Well, I want to officially welcome you to our 2021 show kickoff. First show of the new year. I got to tell you again, I am not sorry to say goodbye to 2020, the year of the lockdowns, shutdowns, meltdowns, beatdowns, and slowdowns. It has been a booger, hasn't it? It has been a year when the Democrats tried to sell us socialism and tell us that rioting and looting were mostly peaceful protests. Liberal mayors and governors told us that we could go to strip clubs, casinos, or Walmart, but not to church. They closed down restaurants and hair salons for people like you and me, but then they dined out without a mask, got their hair styled, and even took vacations to Hawaii and Mexico while telling you not to even go for a walk on your own block. And somehow, we're supposed to believe that a candidate for president who barely came out of his basement and slurred through incoherent speeches to no more than a dozen cars or staff members standing in little circles actually defeated a president who drew tens of thousands of enthusiastic voters as often as five times a day and who carried key swing states and was winning in the most important states, that is, until the vote counting stopped. 
and the Republican poll watchers were sent home for three hours at 1 a.m. And when counting resumed at 4 a.m., lo and behold, enough ballots were found that gave Joe Biden more votes than Barack Obama, who had an almost cult-like following. And all the while, the media claimed it looked normal to them. Well, in three days from now, the Georgia Senate races are going to be over. Or who knows? Maybe they won't be if someone has to pull out several boxes of ballots at 2 a.m. from under a table. But we might know by then if Chuck Schumer will be running the Senate and be joined by Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to unleash on America a radical pro-abortion, higher tax, big government, anti-biblical, defund the police, globalist agenda that will be all but unstoppable. I kind of want to believe the people of Georgia are smarter than that. I know for sure the people of America deserve better than that. And due to the vaccine for COVID that came in record time, thanks to President Trump's lighting a fire under the research arms of pharmaceutical companies, yes, we should be able to resume some sense of normal behavior in the coming months. But I really fear that some of the Democrats running cities and states love ordering people around, forcing them to wear masks and not even celebrate Christmas with their immediate families. But there's good news. Right here on The Huckabee Show, we are going to keep presenting honest, fact-based, and courageous points of view. We're going to bring you fascinating and compelling guests. We'll give them time to tell their story. We'll introduce you to some of America's greatest talent in music and magic and acrobatics. And we're going to reintroduce you to some of our nation's living legends that you're going to love seeing and knowing they still have what it takes. So settle in with us for 2021 and a year's worth of great television that we will proudly and joyfully present to you each week. But remember, our nation doesn't ultimately rise or fall because of a human being elected to a public office. We rise or fall depending on whether we land on our knees and get in touch with the highest official of all, the Lord God. And folks, if we made it through 2020, we ought to breeze through 2021, don't you think? I think so. Well, one of the biggest political stories of the year is the shellacking the Democrats took in congressional races. The polls, which were hopelessly wrong yet again, predicted Democrats picking up seats. Numerous Republicans, many of them younger, conservative, pro-life women, won hotly contested races, which countered the narrative that the country has been trending bluer in recent years. My first guest tonight deserves a lot of credit for his work as the House Minority Leader. Here is my conversation with California Republican House Leader Kevin McCarthy. I want to look back at 2020. One high spot is your leadership of the House Republicans has been, and I'm not trying to flatter you, but it's been unbelievably remarkable, shocked a lot of people across the country who said that the House would lose many seats. Leader McCarthy, you didn't lose seats. You gained seats in a time when that wasn't supposed to happen. So what's the secret sauce here? Well, the secret part about it is finding really good quality candidates. But what really helped us was President Trump. Mm. President Trump, his policies, he campaigned with them. But the more uniqueness about this, when you think of where the Republican Party 
We didn't lose one incumbent, not one. And who did we beat? These Democrats across the country that wanted to defund the police, destroy really the institutions of what we know and dismantle them. And what we had was a commitment to America. And what's interesting, we will have more Republican women in Congress at any time in history, more minorities. Every single Democrat that got beat got beat by a conservative woman, a conservative minority, or a conservative veteran. This is what has awakened inside this country, that they can stand up and fight back. And President Trump worked very hard, walked lockstep with me. We won two seats in Miami. We won in New York. We won in Minnesota. We picked up four seats from the last Congress in California. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, these are numbers that would be stunning in any election year because it's just not supposed to happen this way. And so uh, looking forward to 2021, you're going to be very close to uh, a parity with the Democrats, certainly much closer than you were. How does this affect the ability to negotiate legislation, uh, set you up really for the 20, uh, 2022 election cycle where Republicans will likely uh, take the lead, you become speaker. Well, you're right. Every person predicted we'd lose 15 to 20 seats. Yeah. But we actually gained. And the, the interesting part here, it starts off in the new, uh, the new year with voting for speaker. There are 10 Democrats who, come, who are coming back who didn't vote for Nancy last time. If 10 of them vote against her, she's no longer speaker. Mm. But if we're sitting around 212 or 213, it's only five more seats to be the majority. The Democrats are going to have a hard time passing any legislation with that socialist wing of their party, AOC and others, who want to continue down that path. So Republicans have a real opportunity. We might not be in the majority. We might not be able to schedule the floor, but we could run the floor as long as we stick together and carry the policies out that we know the American public care most about. I mean, there are clearly some Democrats who understand that if they uh, attach themselves to the defund the police message and a radical socialist agenda, they're in districts that are close enough uh, to conservative that it could be their undoing. So is there a possibility there would be some votes where you would actually have some Democrats voting with the Republicans in 2021? I believe that because there's more than 18 Democrats who won with less than 52% of the vote. And they know two more years from now, Republicans are going to win the majority. Nancy Pelosi will no longer be speaker and will have an agenda that America actually wants and needs, a commitment to America, that we rebuild our streets instead of and make them safe instead of tearing them down, that we add 10 million new jobs to this economy instead of driving around the socialist views. There is a lot of good opportunities moving forward that Democrats can join with Republicans and we could run the floor with good policy. I've been watching uh, the House of Representatives for a long, long time. I don't know that I can recall when there has been a greater sense of unity. And I again attribute that means leadership. You have provided it. But there is an, a, a unique level of unity among the Republicans in the House and I want you to share with us, how do you think that came about? And what were some of the things that you did to get those uh, House members to recognize you're going to get a lot further together than you will all fractured? Well, you're very kind, but I really attribute it to all the members in the House. And the one thing I realize is we have so much talent and so deep in talent in the House. I just wanted to unshackle it, give everybody the opportunity. And you know what? When everybody has an opportunity, everybody's working in the same direction. And I'll, I'll give a lot of credit to President Trump. 
He gave us ideas to be able to move forward with on policy. He, he explained to us to be able to fight for these policies as well. And I have found time and again, we are more united than any time before. That's why when all those people who take polls, all those people who make money off predicting elections, every one of them was wrong. Not only did we not lose, we gained because sticking together, just as Abraham Lincoln said, a divided house cannot stand upon itself. And that's why we are united We'll win the majority, but more importantly, we will put America first and carry us in to this new century to make us even stronger. The first big political moment of uh, 2021 is gonna be the Georgia Senate runoffs. Two seats at stake, probably the balance of power in the Senate, could be the balance of power in the entire country, depending on how the presidential election eventually gets determined. So uh, how big a deal is it to you as the uh, House leader on the Republican side for those two Senate seats to go Republican with David Perdue and Kelly Leffler? It is the biggest. It, it means more with, for the House than almost anything else of where we go within the country. Because if we are able to have the Senate and we're just with five votes away within the House, we really could have a conservative agenda moving. But if we were to lose those, it could empower the socialist wing of the Democratic Party. Remember what these individuals have said. Barack Obama made the comment about Joe Biden that there's no difference to Joe Biden than Bernie Sanders. Mm. This mm. is the fear what we have. A whole future for your children, for your grandchildren, really rest in Georgia on January 5th. It is the direction, is the next century gonna be the American century? Leader McCarthy, I wanna say thank you for the leadership that you have provided to the House. Uh, not just the Republicans, but really to the Republican Party in a larger sense. Your fundraising acumen, uh, your recruiting of candidates uh, has been stellar, and the country is better off for it. I'm looking forward to the day when the gavel is placed in your hands, and we call you Speaker McCarthy. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Governor, and God bless. Well, I'm so grateful for Leader McCarthy. I just think people need to realize what a terrific leader he has been for the conservative cause. He helped recruit great candidates and help them get elected. And you can find Leader McCarthy online. Just follow him on social media at GOP Leader or at kevinmccarthy.house.gov so you can keep up with all the latest. Coming up, inspiring author Sam Collier. Don't go away. Welcome back. Sam Collier is the lead pastor of Hillsong Atlanta, founder of A Greater Story Ministries, and host of a nationwide TV series and podcast. His early life was anything but easy, but his brand new book, it's called A Greater Story, and it reminds us God is in charge of writing our stories. Please welcome Sam Collier. This book talks about 
the challenges we face in our lives, yeah. heartbreaks, disappointments, uh, turns that went a direction we didn't want to go and all kinds of detours. And you told me you wrote this book before COVID? Yeah. <laughs> Are you a prophet, man? <laughs> I mean, did you see this right. coming? Well, I think you might be the prophet. No, I think I want to say me. that first. I'm non-profit. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you know, it's such an honor to be here with you. you oh, know, thank you. When they told me I was going to be able to come on, I put on my, my good jacket. It's nice. Said, okay. Don't and, let uh, Trey borrow it. Okay, I won't, I, won't, yeah. I won't let him borrow it. <laughs> But you know, it, it's just been, it's been an unbelievable journey. Met my biological family for the first time on the Steve Harvey show. Are you kidding me? Yeah, about wow. seven years ago. Uh, born into poverty and God adopted and things just happened and God brought us all back together. Uh, but it's just a story of how, you know, it doesn't matter how crazy your situation is, God can move yeah. and he can make a difference. You know, people are hurting right now, Sam. Yeah. I mean, it's been a tough year. I, a lot of people are hoping this new year is going to be very different, that the vaccine will give people a new level of confidence, businesses will open again. Yeah. But there are people who are hurting. People lost their jobs. They've lost their businesses. People have lost their marriages. Uh, depression is at an all-time high. The suicide rate's out of control. So if COVID didn't kill them, a lot of people, all the other things are. Yeah. What's the message to those folks who are just, I mean, desperate and despondent? I think the message is it doesn't matter what cards you've been dealt. It's about how you play the hand. Yeah. My dad always told me that. Uh, what's interesting about our story is that yeah, we were born into poverty and written off. My parents came to adopt us, and the lady that was running the home said, you don't want to adopt them because really? of where they come from. Oh. They're probably not going to be much addiction, all of these other things. But my parents adopted us anyway, rescued us out of this situation, and throughout the years, God stepped in. We surrendered constantly and consistently, and he wrote a new story. So I think my... Um, admonishment to everyone out there is that it doesn't matter the cards you've been dealt. It's about how you play the hand. And if you surrender to God every single day in every decision, he'll step in and he'll write a greater story than the one you're living in. What a beautiful idea. And it's biblical. You talk in the book about rescue. Yeah. What are some of the forms of rescue that you identify? Yeah, I think that there are many forms of rescue, right? I think you can rescue yourself. But I think all types of rescue uh, is rooted in God. And I think God is the, is, is the author of rescue. He wants to rescue us all. Um, but, but, but again, I go back to this idea of us playing the hand well and giving him something to work with. I have a friend of mine who grew up in the poorest part of the world. You know, when you think about God moving, you always have yeah. to think about, and most of us think about, well, what about in this country where you don't have anything? Mm -hmm. He grew up um, in a hut. He had to walk 20 miles to get water every day. He now runs one of the largest nonprofits in Nairobi, Kenya. When you sit down and talk to him, you say, what was the difference? He said, I just made a decision that there was more. And I leaned on God and I believed that he could do more and God met me at my effort. I think people in this season with COVID, um, a lot of us are taking on the defeat mindset and believing that if we don't move or that God can't do anything. My admonishment and encouragement to people in this season is to not let their circumstances define what they believe and what they see, but to give God something to work with and he'll meet them at their effort. You know, and, and I think it's important. You don't tell people that everybody's going to be healthy, everybody's yeah. going to get well, everybody's going to be rich. Because, yeah. I mean, that's not the case. It right. doesn't always work out like that. You're just saying that even in the midst of things going this way, yeah. God is never going to leave you out there all by yourself. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. And 
he always has a greater story. It may not look like the one uh, that you want, and it may not happen the way you want it, but I always say this. If God doesn't move the mountain, he gives you the ability to climb it. Huh. So he stands right there with you. I love that. Say that so again. If God doesn't move the mountain, he'll give you the ability to climb it. I love that. I think that is a greater story, yes. and it's a wonderful uh, book, a, a great concept, and I, I hope our folks will get a copy. Good way to start your year. Sam Collier's book, A Greater Story. It's available now. You can order it at agreaterstory.org. You'll also find Sam's podcast, social media links, and a whole lot more. I hope you get it. When we come back, comedian William Lee Martin brings the funny. Huckabee continues right after this. If you have not yet subscribed, I'm a new podcast called The People's Podcast. You can do so. You get commentaries, interesting, in-depth interviews with some fascinating guests and a lot more. The People's Podcast is available exclusively from quakemedia.com slash Mike. All right. William Lee Martin is a lot more than just a comedian. He's a songwriter, screenwriter, animator, philanthropist, and Facebook star. That's a lot of stuff. He's had three TV specials open for such country legends as George Strait and Loretta Lynn. He's also the founder of the Cowboys Who Care Foundation. I want you to give a warm welcome to the very funny William Lee Martin. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Governor. It is. Thank you. Very kind. Certainly appreciate it. it uh, it's good to be here. Uh, you know, my wife and I have five kids, y'all, five kids. Yeah, we're not good Catholics. We're just really bad Methodists. <laughs> it is good to be here. You know, this is now my 25th year of stand-up comedy, everybody. How about that? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Wasn't always my first choice. When I was little, I either wanted to be a singer or an actor. And uh, it's, it's, it's hard to be an actor in Texas trying to do Shakespeare in the seventh grade. Oh, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore out thy Romeo? Uh, I'm over here. I'm in a bush. That fella told me to stand here. It is good to be here, though. It really is. I actually thought I was going to be a preacher when I was 17 years old, y'all. I truly did. Thought I got a calling from the Lord and everything. Turned out to be a wrong number. Well, we didn't have caller ID back then. I still read my Bible, though, y'all. I read my Bible every time I check into a hotel slash casino. No, I don't know if you know this, but people will hide their money in the Bible, and then they'll forget about it, and then when you check in, boom, bonus. <laughs> See, some of you going, is that real? Some of you going, I bet it's a bunch of bull, and yet all of you go to Vegas and go, come on, Jesus. <laughs> That's right. You know, uh, uh, the one, number one question I get off stage is, are you a real cowboy? I think it all depends on who you compare me to. If you compare me to my dad, my granddad, I'm probably not a real cowboy. 
You compare me to the fella on the village people, I'm a real cowboy. <laughs> My granddaddy was a real cowboy, y'all. His name was Pee Wee Goodman, and we got sent to his house every Christmas break, summer break, and spring break, or what I used to call the Goodman work camp for boys. It was the same four suspects every year, y'all. It was me, William Lee, my brother, Jimmy Don, my cousin, Billy Wayne, and my other cousin, Robbie Lynn. That's right. You put all four of them names on a chalkboard and tell me I'm not country, I'll punch you in the mouth. <laughs> One year, Billy Wayne got the bright idea that we were going to prove to everybody that we were real cowboys like our granddaddy, y'all. He decided that we were going to rope and ride the spring calves that year. Right Now, if you're from the city, this is just good, clean country, fun. But we get out there and we start riding them calves at my personal best that year, 3.7 seconds, amen? That's right, 41 years later, still my personal best. That's right, but we're riding these calves and they're making a heck of a ruckus, right? And they seem to walk over and wakes up their daddy. Now, if you're from the city, that means the bull got woke up. And that year, my granddad had a prize-winning bull, a 2,300-pound Brammer bull named El Diablo, which is Spanish for the devil. That's right. And that, that bull came out of the brush, and it's rooting in the ground, and our granddaddy told all of us, that bull catch you out there in the pasture, do not run, and do not show fear. And he also could have said, don't poop your pants and cry. <laughs> but we did all four of them that day, you hear me? Four boys between the ages of 10 and 13 just yelled, run! And the race was on, man. Four crime boys and an El Diablo. First one to jump out of the race was my cousin, Billy Wayne. He shot up a tree like a squirrel. He later went on to work on telephone poles. I swear to goodness. Next one to jump out of the race was my cousin, Robbie Lynn. Now, he headed for the pond, and the legend has it that he did not touch the water for the first 12 steps. <laughs> See, if you go to Vegas and read your Bible, that joke gets a lot funnier. <laughs> now, the race is down to two boys and my, the El Diablo, right? Me and my brother. Now, this is my older brother, y'all. I have never outrun him in a foot race before or since. He was a track star in high school, and I was a Shakespearean singer. But I was outrunning him on this day, you hear me? I was nothing but knees and elbows, man. I get all the way, I pass this abused blonde hair girl that just said, run, William, run. <laughs> and I get to the gate and I slid under the gate and I was safe and I turned and there's my brother in El Diablo and my first thought is, oh my goodness, my brother's gonna die. My second thought was, oh my goodness, I'm finally gonna get my own room. <laughs> And just when El Diablo was going to crash down on my brother, my granddaddy slid in between me and that gate, grabbed my brother by the scruff of the neck, and threw him over the gate like he was a $6 million man. Boom. And then El Diablo hit the gate. The gate hit my granddaddy. And my granddaddy flew 15 feet in the air, landed on his rear end, never dropping a drop of his pure cane sugar sweet tea. And that, kids, is a real cowboy. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you so much. Yes, sir, that is a real cowboy. <laughs> Thank now, you, Doug. William Lee, you used to go by the name Cowboy Bill Martin. I did. And, and then there was a 
kind of a transformation of your life and your comedy. What happened? Well, uh, Cowboy Bill was a nickname that my grandfather gave me at birth. His, yeah. uh, my other grandfather's real name was William Lee. My name is William Lee. He didn't want me to be called Little Bill, so he said, call him Cowboy Bill. And huh. I did that for most of my career. And then about five years ago, I had a CMT special come out. And I, I, it did really well, yeah. but uh, it was really blue. I, I, I was still working kind of blue. Yeah. I'm not saying kind of blue, but they beeped it, you know, on CMT. Uh -huh. And at some point, it sounded like the Titanic, you know, the telegraph guy. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. And, uh, and then I rededicated my life to Christ, and uh, I decided I would drop all that and go by my maiden name, William Lee Martin. Huh. So, you know, a lot of people think you can't be funny if you're not dirty. But you've proven that you're funny and you don't have to use the blue humor and, and go across the edge to do it. Well, I, you know, I, I, I wasn't completely convinced. And then one day yeah. I'm out mowing the grass and I'm literally praying about it. I'm like, Lord, why can't I grab the brass ring? That was my prayer. Yeah. And as you and I are talking, the voice in my head said, listen, I, I put you out there and you could change anything about your life. And the only thing that you were willing to change was your name. And you wanted me to work the miracle. You know, you're waiting on me, son, I'm waiting on you. Wow. And I just started making wholesale changes that day to the act. And, and since then, we put out two new specials on Amazon and Apple TV. And we've grown to, you know, Facebook from 40,000 to 400,000 followers. And, and all that's really possible because I started listening to someone other than myself. You know, what a great, great testimony, though, that to follow Christ doesn't mean that you give up your dreams, your hopes, or even your career. It, it may mean that it, it turns out better, and nobody has to say, kids, you got to leave the room. Right. That cowboy Bill is on now. We can't hear <laughs> right. him. Right. And, and how refreshing it is. We need comedy. Boy, yeah. we've needed it like we've never needed it before because people... Uh, just talking to Sam Collier, people are hurting. And one of the ways that I think we get healed and helped is by laughter. Right. It's a healing force, isn't it? Well, as soon as this thing happened, you know, they called comedy and comedy clubs non-essential. Oh. And the only non-essential in our house since it started is clocks. <laughs> you know? I asked my wife the other day, I'm like, what's today's date? She's yeah. like, uh, the 13th. I said, no, the day. The day. <laughs> yeah, and then she told me Tuesday, and I said, how about the month? Let's yeah. go through that. But laughter really does seem to heal a lot of folks. And, you know, they shut us down nine months ago, and the world's been on fire yeah. ever since. And I, I think we really do need that laughter in our life again. And, William Lee, you do a foundation, the Cowboys Who Care Foundation. It's pretty impressive what you do. You give cowboy hats to kids with cancer? Yeah, so we started uh, about uh, nine years ago with a young lady named Ashley Miller. She mm. was 12 years old. Her parents asked me to put my name on a golf tournament. We raised some money for her, got to know her. Cancer goes into remission comes back with a vengeance, and mm. she lost her battle. Oh. And then I, I, I knew I wanted to help, didn't know how. And then one day I just Googled kids with cancer, kind of opened yeah. it up to the universe. Uh -huh. And we had all these big, bright, beautiful faces, beautiful smiles, and bald heads. And in the mirror, I could see my cowboy hat. Uh -huh. And that's when it hit me. Well, these kids need cowboy hats. What seven-year-old wants to wear a wig? Yeah. But what seven-year-old wouldn't want to wear a cowboy hat? So my wife and I formed Cowboys Who Care Foundation, nonprofit. And uh, to date, we've given away a little over 10,000 brand new cowboy 10, hats. 10,000 cowboy hats. A lot of cool looking kids going around yeah. there, thanks to you. What a great idea. Hey, for more of his hilarious comedy, please visit WilliamLeeMartin.com. Maybe invite him to come to your community, your event, and uh, enjoy the fun. Also, if you want to help provide cowboy hats for kids with cancer, and what a great thing to do for kids, visit Cowboys whocare.org. Now, don't go away, because we're about to meet a very inspiring Huck's hero. Coming up.
Hey, I think you need to give a big hand of applause to Trey Corley and the Music City Connection over here, our house band. We think they're the best in Nashville, which means they're the best anywhere, because if you're the best music in Nashville, you are the best, period, and they are. We're happy to have them as part of our show every very week. Hey, victims of addiction, abuse, and trafficking suffer every day all over the world, hoping for that moment where they can experience just something simple, sanctuary. Well, tonight's Huck's Hero understands all too well that feeling of desperation for safety. And now she uses her story to bring sanctuary to others in need. sanctuary conjures different feelings in each of us. For you, that might be a spot in nature, maybe a place in your home or in your garden. For me, it's the marble pillars and stained glass windows of the old cathedrals in Europe. But for women who've escaped the horrors of trafficking, violence, and addiction, finding sanctuary can feel impossible. In February of 2001, I escaped that life. And as a survivor myself, I know firsthand how difficult that transition can be. This is why I created Sanctuary Project. A survivor-run nonprofit social enterprise employing and empowering women coming out of trafficking, violence, and addiction. Every handmade jewelry piece provides economic opportunity to women in transition. And each of our pieces is made to inspire sanctuary in you too. You can make a difference in the lives of trafficking survivors. Whether it's through your purchases, our sponsor a survivor program, or even just spreading the word, valuable lives are being healed, transformed, and given the opportunity to find sanctuary. What a beautiful story. And with me tonight is the founder and CEO of the Sanctuary Project, Holly Christine Hayes. Holly, welcome, and thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. I think if people can understand that this is not just some project that you took on because you thought it needed to be done, you lived this life. Yeah. You were rescued out of this life. What happened to Holly prior to becoming the CEO of Sanctuary? You know, you wouldn't think that someone that looks like me and grew up in a good home and a good family would end up being trafficked. Um, but there were a set of circumstances that happened in my early childhood. There was some sexual abuse in my young life um, and then a divorce in my, in my family. And ultimately that led to a life of addiction. Mm. And really for me, that addiction ended up spiraling into my exploitation. And so I looked just like everyone else. I looked like a normal college student, but what was happening behind the scenes was absolutely horrific. Mm. And there's a lot, of, a lot of young ladies that are like you, and we don't think about it, Yeah. but they're being abused and exploited because they're vulnerable. Something has happened in their lives that makes them vulnerable. Absolutely. There's always some sort of economic instability or, um, or violence or addiction in their past that's leading to this. And all the women that we've worked with at Sanctuary Project have some sort of vulnerability that's made them um, exploited. Do they come to you? Do you go and find these girls and say, hey, look, there's hope. 
we're going to help you out of this. How does that happen? We have an outreach program. So I'm in the jails uh, every Tuesday, and I get to go and teach in the jail. And I'm from Austin, Texas, and I go and teach in the Travis County Jail, and I share my story there. And every single time I share my story, there's someone there, and I can always spot them because all of a sudden tears start running down their face. And I see them realize for the first time, maybe even, me too. I was trafficked. A lot of times they don't even realize that that's what's happened to them. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they think this is normal or they think that they were choosing it, you know, but no one chooses that life. No one would choose something like that. And, and you, the, the jewelry that, that these ladies create, I mean, this is just a couple. It's of, pretty, right? It is. You know, and I'm not exactly into pretty, but. Uh, but I feel like, you really know, nice. if you, but if you were going to wear jewelry. If I, now, Keith would wear this. He would wear one of these in his nose, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. And this, but it's beautiful stuff. And they actually do create these uh, designs. Yes, yeah. And then they're sold at major retailers. Yeah, so um, we just got picked up by Target.com, which is incredible. That's beautiful. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, um, so it's... people, if they buy these... Where does the money go when they buy this jewelry from uh, Sanctuary? So 100% of our proceeds go to providing more employment for survivors. Every single person on our wow. staff is a survivor, from myself as a CEO, our operations director, our social media manager. Every single woman in our company is a survivor of trafficking, violence, and addiction. So you're, you're helping people who know that you know where they have been. Yeah. And it's not just a business. It's a real outreach and ministry to these young ladies that that desperately need what you're doing. It's a powerful, powerful story. How can people get the jewelry? I know they can go to target.com. Are there other outlets maybe to go directly to a Sanctuary? Yeah, you can come directly to sanctuaryproject.com and um, shop there. Uh, we also, we're a nonprofit. We're a 501c3 nonprofit, and we are supported in large part by donations and our Sponsor a Survivor program. So if you're someone who, maybe your heart is broken for survivors of trafficking, and maybe you've even recently learned about this, you can actually come alongside us by sponsoring a survivor through Sanctuary Project. I hope people will. It is a beautiful story. We're so proud of you. That's why we wanted you to be our Hux Hero tonight, because we love putting the spotlight on people who are doing is great Is there a trophy? Things. Better than that, you get to take a photo with me later. <laughs> That's a big whoopee deal, huh? Oh, boy. <laughs> hey, to help Holly, Christine Hayes bring Sanctuary to Survivors, why don't you visit SanctuaryProject.com. Check out her amazing jewelry collection. And if you want to know more about Holly's story, you can uh, get it in the book, From Basement to Sanctuary, wherever books are sold. Now, I'm sure many of you would like to maybe stuff the whole of last year down the memory hole. But here at our show, we tried to make it better by creating some truly memorable moments. Here's a little reminder of some great things that were worth remembering from 2020. You have no idea what to expect. This is gonna be a show you do not want to miss. Opener, folks. I've been cooped up for five months. That's the best I could come up with. DNC's been going on this week. I kind of get the impression watching they don't like you very much. I don't think so. Freedom is but one generation away from extinction. That'll be on our watch. I don't want that to happen on our watch. I absolutely believe in that. They're not going to cancel Christianity. Well, Joe Biden, I'm I'm working on him. It's tough to do, but you know, it, it's tougher for him, actually. <laughs> uh, it's a Republican today. It could be a Democrat tomorrow. The government did not give us our rights. 
the Lord is saying, as long as you got a pulse, you got a purpose. In fact, there's just so much out there that is unwholesome. People are just starving for just a little taste of the life. Say some pretty nice things about you, and that's probably why he's that's the, the book reason to get the book. The nice thing. Riley Green is Nashville's latest breakout artist. With his simple, small-town Alabama upbringing and roots in country, bluegrass, and southern gospel music, Riley's creating his own style of country music. Seems to be working pretty well for him because he was named the Academy of Country Music's New Artist of the Year. I'm very excited to welcome a real star, Riley Green. to have you here. You know, Riley, I understand you and I both have an affinity for hunting. Yes, sir. And you were down in my part of the world in Arkansas recently uh, taking some of our mallards home, weren't you? Y'all got a lot more than we do in Alabama. <laughs> uh, I enjoy it. It's, it's pretty country out there. What else do you like to hunt? Uh, you know, when I, when I started out as a kid, I was a big, you know, obviously deer hunter, uh, turkey hunter, duck hunter in Alabama, which we didn't have a whole lot of, but as I got into a music career, I've realized that it's less about the hunting and more about going in the woods where my cell phone doesn't work. Yeah. And being miles away from everybody, that's what I enjoy the most about it. Isn't it refreshing just to be out in the middle of the land God made and just see it as it's supposed to be? Not a bunch of concrete and building, but just nature as it was made. There's something really special about it. You know, I, I tell people all the time that, you know, maybe don't hunt or never have. There's something enjoyable about being outside in some of those places that you go in a swamp Duck yeah. when you would never go for any other reason. And seeing the sun come up out there, you know, it's a, it's a pretty special place. Well, your music is a lot about the life that you have lived. Uh, it's about trucks and it's about growing up. It's about all those things that some of us can really relate to. And I think it's why, uh, you know, your music career right now is on fire. Is that the inspiration for a lot of your songs, just the life you've lived? Yeah, just imagine a country song about a truck. Yeah. <laughs> That's a new thought, isn't it? Uh, you know, I, I really didn't think I would ever have a career in music. I enjoyed playing. My granddaddy Buford was a big fan of music, and I started writing songs because I got tired of playing the ones that I knew. Yeah. And uh, I just wrote about what I saw every day and, and things that I learned growing up, and I was just really fortunate that it seems like a lot of people grew up the same way I did. And, uh, you know, now I really try my best having a little bit of radio success and a national level to to go home, you know, go back to Jacksonville, Alabama and really find those roots and keep writing from that same place because that's kind of what got me here. Now, are you Roll Tide or War Eagle? 
I'm a sad Auburn fan this year. I'm a War Eagle, you know. But you know, when I meet somebody from Alabama and I say "Roll Tide" or "War Eagle," and they say, "Well, I really don't care," I say, "You ain't from Alabama. Yeah, you're not really. You moved in." Yeah. Uh, my whole family's Alabama, so I was, you know, a little torn. But uh, you know, it's it's a we, we got a good football state. I'll say that. Yeah, you do. You truly do a great tradition. Your music kind of is an eclectic brand of music with a lot of different styles. I mentioned that in the opening, but you have opened for some. Pretty amazing people. I mean, to go out on tour, open for Brad Paisley and Jason Aldean prior to the COVID thing, I mean, was that just cooler than life to do that? It's, it still hasn't sunk in. You yeah. know, I mean, and, and it's a tribute to those guys because they've had these 20-plus-year careers, and it's not by accident. They're great guys. They put on a great show. And, you know, it's, it's, it's helpful for somebody like me that I'm having some success, and I've been doing it a long time, but in the national level, I'm pretty new. So see these guys that have been playing these same songs. 20 years and still entertaining crowds and yeah. things they do to keep it exciting. Uh, that's something pretty special about, I think, the country music world is that everybody's been where I am and they all try to help each other out. Well, that's a, it's a great mark of, I think, the country music business. And I want to say, I hope you continue just to soar to the top because you've got such talent. You're writing wonderful songs that people can relate to. And we're honored to have you on the show. And I'm looking forward to getting to play with you here in a minute. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I've never played with a, a host before. This is going to be exciting. Well, you'll, you'll wish you hadn't after I do it, but uh, <laughs> I appreciate it anyway. Hey, you can get Riley Green's If It Wasn't For Trucks. That's the album. It's sold everywhere. Uh, any place got music, that's where you can get it. Also, for more information on Riley's music, his YouTube series, and his upcoming concerts, go to the website, rileygreenmusic.com. It's right on your screen. Jot it down and check it out. And after the show, do this. Go to Huckabee.tv. You're going to have an online exclusive performance of a great song that rocks the house called There Was This Girl. Riley Green performs after the break. Don't go away. And now, here to perform his hit song, Better Than Me, along with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection with Mike on bass, is country music star Riley Green. Is the world on fire? Feels like a bad dream. Did the hammer come down? Feels like kicking the teeth All this down on my luck It's been getting me down on my knees It might have been something I need Cause I've been chasing, rat racing Doing anything to win Now my grass looks like Augusta I got around to painting that fence been calling up my mama doing some old friend checking in it seems like where i'm going might be better than where i've been with all this going on i found the right in all this wrong and i finally see the good lord knows better than me and the 
get a little more sleep I get a little more you Out of that old poor swing Got a little more hurt Holding on to a little more me I feel a little more free Cause I've been chasing Rat racing Doing anything to win Now my grass looks like Augusta Got around painting that fence. I've been calling up my mom, doing some old friend checking in. And it seems like where I'm going might be better than where I've been. With all this going on, I found the right and all this wrong, and I finally see the good Lord knows better than me. If the world does end, I'll take the last day slow. And if he does come back, I know where I'll go. But if he takes his time, well, I've learned one thing. Good Lord knows better than me. Cause I've been chasing, rat racing, doing anything to win. Now I make more time for fishing. Got that old truck running again. I went home to see my mom. Been good hearing from old friend. It seems like where I'm going might be better than where I've been. With all this going on, I found the right. 